Welcome to Talking Mopars, episode number 148. Folks, I am back. I am still dealing with some voice issues because I have been sick for the past two weeks, but we're going to power through this episode with the old format. We've got Project Car of the Week, High Performance Parts, a listener story, and then I'm going to talk about one of my favorite events in the country that I'll be going to with one of my good pals, and that's in the middle of September, and the event is Holly's third annual Mo Party. So without further ado, if you are a Mopar enthusiast, then you are in the right place. Don't go anywhere. You're tuned into the best Mopar enthusiast-driven podcast on planet Earth, and I am your host, Chris Albrecht, better known as the Mopar Hunter, and this is Talking Mopars. You're listening to Talking Mopars with the Mopar Hunter, your direct connection to all things Mopar. All right, my friends, Project Car of the Week. I actually had to pick two. Now, my search parameters for Search Tempest, which searches all of Craigslist, were pretty simple. Dodge, Plymouth, and Chrysler vehicles between 1960 and 1980 for less than $10,000. I just wanted to see what was available in the country. And as you can imagine, there wasn't much available. So I picked two cars that were well under $10,000, but they are huge projects. So I guess let's just get into them and uh, see what we think, okay? 1971 Dodge Demon, $4,000. This one is in Okmulgee, Oklahoma, which I believe is just outside of Tulsa. Um, the ad is a little jumbled and the grammar is bad, so I'm going to do my best to get through this, okay? So 1971 Dodge Demon, 4000 This is a true H-Code 340, but the motor and transmission are long gone. The fender tag and build sheet are gone. We have a 360 Magnum short block that is 30 over for an extra $500. Has a nice set of seats and rally gauges. Needs fully restored, but is a good solid project. Frame rails are solid. Trunk is in good shape. Floor pans are in good shape, except the driver's side needs a new pan. Good clean title in my name. No trades. This is out of my dad's estate and selling for my mom. Car is located between Ulk Mulgee and Henrietta. So... Title status is clean on this one. Okay, the first picture that you see for this demon is of the passenger side. The car is on a trailer, and it looks pretty solid from the passenger side. The passenger side quarter panel seems to be solid. The door seems to line up good with the quarter panel and the fender, and I don't see much rot on the passenger side rocker panel or on the lower fender, which is pretty surprising. Um... The second picture is a close-up shot of the passenger rear quarter, and the lower portion of it seems to be pretty solid. There is a nice-sized dent and scratch um, that kind of goes along the side marker light. Um, but overall, you know, pretty solid for $4,000 when you're talking about a Demon. And this is a real H-code car. Unfortunately, the engine and transmission are gone, and there's really no documentation as far as... Um, a fender tag or a build sheet, which, you know, for the price, you really can't complain too much. It would be nice to have those things, but you know, at this point, beggars can't be choosy. We're looking at Mopars for under $10,000. Um, the next picture, the third picture is of the driver's side. Um, and it's a very close up shot of the driver's side rocker panel underneath the driver door. And there is a small eraser sized or pencil sized hole in the rocker, which can be repaired fairly easily. Um, it is pretty solid. There does appear to be a little bit of rust on the bottom of the door. Not too bad. Um, fourth pictures of the interior. The dash pad in this thing is one of the worst I've ever seen. Glove box is missing. Um, all the heater components appear to be gone. Um, driver side floor. He says the whole pan needs to be replaced, but from what I see, it looks like just uh, a patch would be in order, but if you wanted to be safe, I guess you could replace the whole driver's side floor pan. Um, it's a column shift. It does have the gauges in it. Uh, steering wheel and steering column are intact. Um, driver's side door panel is completely shot. Seats, uh, I don't really see much. Um, so the interior is pretty much non-existent. This would be a good race car candidate, if you ask me. Um, this fifth picture is of the driver's side rear quarter. And the lower, uh, the lower front section, you know, on the rear side towards the back of the wheel, um, 
is starting to rot out. So it would probably need a, a little patch there, but overall, not too bad. I've seen a hell of a lot worse. This is actually, I would say that this car is comparable to the shape that my 69 Dart was in, um, which I got for 1500 bucks, which, you know, looking at some of the cars today for Shell uh, was pretty decent money. Um, I think I got a pretty good deal on it. So when I see cars like this for 4000 I'm like, geez. But this is a 71 H-Code Demon, so it may be worth throwing some money at or building a fun little race car, not having to replace too much metal. Um, back seat. Uh, doesn't appear to be the original one. Um, so that would have to go, uh, lots of garbage in this car. So it would have to be cleaned out. I can't really judge the rear floor pan too much, um, based on all the garbage in it. But from what I can see, it does look okay. You may be able to hit the whole floor pan with a wire wheel and patch the driver's side and be okay. Um, front driver's side shows the front of the rocker panel the front part of the door and the rear side of the front fender on the driver's side and it all looks to be pretty solid um pretty impressed there uh next picture is underneath the car showing at least one uh frame rail and it looks to be pretty solid this is the driver's side so driver's side rear frame rail is good there is a little scale rust nothing um that i would worry about too much pretty solid um leaf spring hangers seem to be pretty solid another picture of underneath the car seems to be pretty solid another frame rail in good condition this looks to be the front driver side um next picture is the engine compartment which you can see that the entire heating system is gone the <laughs> windshield wiper motor is gone the engine and transmission are long gone so you know you've got a lot of work to do <laughs> Uh, not too bad though. You know, if I'm, if I'm looking at building a race car, this may be the perfect candidate. Um, this next picture is the front cowl and it's pretty solid from what I can see. Um, not too bad at all. This next picture is the front driver's side of the front cowl and it does have a hole in it. It looks like it was cut out. I don't know if they were trying to unbolt the fenders or what they were trying to do, maybe access, um, the hood release i'm not quite sure but they cut a hole in the driver's side cowl but it looks like it can be easily patched next picture is of the passenger side of the car it looks pretty solid um i did say earlier that the fender and door matched up but i can see here it looks like the bottom portion of the front passenger side fender is unbolted so it is pulling away from the car a little bit but overall looking at this picture here the car is pretty solid and I'll stand behind my statement that this would be a great candidate for a race car. I don't know if it's worth putting in all the money you would need to, to fully restore it. Um, unless you really wanted to restore a demon and maybe resto mod it. Um, I, I would shy away from doing a full restoration on this thing, um, to OE, uh, especially with the original engine and transmission long gone. Um, so next picture here is of the driver's side. And like I said, the driver's side seems pretty solid. Um, it is missing the driver's side headlight and the headlight bezel. Um, and the fender's a little jacked up. So you're going to need a new driver's side fender, uh, headlight bezel, headlight. And it looks like you probably might want to replace the grill. I'm not sure. It's not really a close-up picture, but I imagine if the grill's damaged, on the driver's side, then it's probably better just to replace the whole thing. Um, lower front balance looks to be okay, maybe a little bit banged up. Um, <clears throat> and then we have a picture of the driver's or uh, the passenger side, excuse me, um, the passenger side door and rocker, and they look to be pretty solid. A little bit of rust on the bottom side of the door, nothing too crazy. And then we have a picture of the rear portion of the passenger side. So the front part of the quarter panel and the rocker does not look bad at all. Looks pretty solid. Another picture of the driver's side. God, this a lot of pictures. I like this. The rear window looks pretty solid. Maybe a couple spots that need to be patched. But overall, I would say that this car is a great race car candidate. Here's another picture of the interior. The headliner's all but gone. Looks like there was a little bit of a, uh, a nest at some point. Um, 
which is not uncommon for these cars that have been sitting outside for a long time. These rodents get in them and just completely destroy them. So the headliner's trashed. Um, this would be a good car to just tear apart and make a race car out of. Uh, we have another picture of underneath the car. This is the passenger side rear frame rail. Looks to be pretty solid, maybe a little scale, not too bad at all. The leaf spring hanger seems to be in good condition. Um, another picture of the interior here uh, with a decent shot of the hole on the driver's side floor pan. Not bad at all. It's probably the size, maybe a little bit smaller than your palm. So, and it's in, in a nice flat spot that could be easily patched. Uh, gauges seem to be okay. It is missing a lot of the knobs for your flashers, your lights, and your heater controls. Another picture underneath the car seems to be pretty solid from what I've seen. And then finally, we have a picture. I think this is the last one. Nope, it's not the last one. <laughs> so now we have another picture of uh, a shot of the driver's side. And looking at the grill a little bit closer, it looks like you can just replace the driver's side headlight bezel and... Um, that front portion of the fender. Uh, not too bad. Here's a shot of the roof. The roof looks pretty solid. Um, this is the forward part of the roof by the windshield, and it does not look to be completely rotted like a lot of these are. Um, and then uh, that is all the pictures. I think we're cycling through the ones we've already seen. Yep. So here we have a decent 71 Demon Project that was an original H-Code car for $4,000. I think it's a great start for a race car. Or if you wanted to do a resto mod and you wanted to start off with a shell that was pretty solid. Um, not too bad. You know, $4,000. i am not going to complain too much about the price. Obviously, you know, with so much missing, you're going to want to hit them lower than that. But, you know, in today's market, <laughs> finding a solid, decent even an A body for under $5,000 is kind of hard to find. Um, especially one, you know, that has a little bit of, uh, a little bit of credibility being that it's an H code car. Um, yeah, man, it really is a shame that 340 has gone. Um, I'd let him keep the 360. <laughs> I don't want to pay an extra 500 bucks. Um, but if I wanted to build a demon race car, this would be a good start. I'd like to get it for three grand. 2,500 probably be pushing it, but if I could get this car for three grand, I think, uh, I, I would feel really good about that deal. Even 4,000, I'm not feeling too bad. It's pretty solid. You don't have to replace too much metal and you can get started on building your race car. So that was the first project car. Um, the 1971 Dodge Demon in Oklahoma for $4,000. The second project car is a, it's listed as a 72 Dodge Charger, but clearly you can see that this is a 1970 Charger 500. Um, there's only three pictures and they're very crappy. <laughs> so this car is in New Orleans. It's a 1970 Dodge Charger, again, listed as a 72. Does not have very much information. It's posted for $5,000. And <laughs> the ad, it says 1972 Dodge Charger 318, 727, all numbers matching. Um, it is 100% a 1970 Charger 500. Uh, hood has a little bit of rot. Um, like I said, these pictures aren't very good, but you know, anytime you find a 68 to 70 Dodge charger for under $20,000, it's worth a look. So unfortunately this car is in a grassy field and potentially a backyard or something, <laughs> um, on somebody's property. So it's sitting in the grass which in New Orleans can't be a good thing. I imagine the underside of this car is completely rotted. But like I said, when you find a 68 to 70 Charger for under 10000 or under $20,000, you have to take a look at it. So I decided to add it to Project Car of the Week just because of what it is. Um, this first picture is basically just the front portion of the car. So you have a shot of the windshield, which is completely shot. Um, around the windshield frame seems to be okay. Like I said, the hood is a little bit rotted on the front side. The front bumper on this thing, the chrome that goes all the way around the grill, is a little banged up. You're probably going to want to replace that. Driver's side fender, not too bad, a little banged up. The grill is looks to be shot, unfortunately, so that's going to cost some money. 
Second picture is of the passenger door and the rear part of the front passenger side fender and a little bit of the roof. Looks to be not too bad for, you know, a 1970 Dodge Charger for five grand. There is definitely going to have to be some metal work. It's really hard to see what is going on with the paint. If it's many layers or if it's just been sitting out so long that it's got, you know, mildew on it and stuff. This thing needs to at least be pressure washed. I'd be afraid to dip this car. I don't know how much would be left. But from this picture, you can see in through the passenger side window and you can see that it does have the bucket seats. Um, steering column seems to be intact. All the interior seems to be there from what I can see. Headliner. I can see evidence that the headliner is hanging down. So we can assume that rodents got into the headliner. Um, this next picture is of the rear. God, who takes these pictures and thinks these are actually good? These pictures are complete shit. Um, around the rear window, it looks like it needs some work. And then I can see here where the quarter panel meets the trunk. It's probably going to need a quarter panel replacement. I can only imagine <laughs> what the inside of this car uh, looks like as far as the floor and then underneath the car. Gosh, I don't even want to think about that. Um, rear tail panel, you really can't see in this picture, but you can see what looks like a tree growing up in between the rear bumper and the tail panel and trunk. That's kind of funny. Um, very unfortunate <laughs> for this uh, 70 Charger. But uh, those are the only three pictures. $5,000, like I said, you know, when you find a 68 to 70 Charger for under, you know, even 10 grand, um, they're interesting to look at. I would really have to see more of this car to make a better determination of whether or not it's even worth $5,000. You post this thing on Craigslist and many people are going to say that's a $500 car. It's really hard to say when you don't have all the information or all the pictures you would need. This is one of those cars where you'd really have to go take a look at it for yourself. But I'm going to go ahead and assume that the underside of this car is completely shot. Um, I just thought it would be worth including in Project Car of the Week just because it is a second generation Charger and it is under $10,000. The title is missing. Um, man, what a shame. I don't understand. I mean, I guess, you know, when you talk about 68 to <laughs> 70 Chargers, you know, they were just cars. You know, you hear that all the time. Oh, they were just cars back then. And pictures and examples of these vehicles like this one <clears throat> are, uh, you know, a testament to what people thought about these cars, especially, you know, non-RTs, <laughs> you know, these little 318 uh, chargers just got, you know, nobody gave a shit, <laughs> you know, it's really sad. Um, so this is an XP, so 318 car, uh, very unfortunate that it ended up in this condition. I wish there was more pictures so I could, you know, make a more solid determination of whether or not this thing is even worth, you know, building into something. Um, but when it comes to chargers, they're so hard to find and you can pretty much build them out of a catalog. So, you know, if you're just looking for a, a, a solid base, you know, this might be a good candidate. Um, now, you know, when we talk about a solid base, you know, that's subjective, <laughs> you know, cause you could take every part off of this car and be left with a skeleton that could very well be rotted. Um, really hard to tell with these pictures, which is really unfortunate, but you know, for under 5,000, if he's that low on the thing, the title's missing, you might be able to go there and, you know, work some sort of a deal. But gosh, you know, if you can get a firewall out of it, <laughs> if you can get a firewall and, uh, you know, the roof is good, you know, you're off to, you know, this sounds crazy, but you're off to a decent start with a charger. Um, but this is one of those examples where I say, look, you can buy this thing for 5,000 and put, tens of thousands of dollars into it and maybe have a running and driving charger in a few years, depending on your resources. But you might as well go buy one that's already, you know, driver quality for 30 or 40,000, save yourself some time and money and be able to drive the thing. But if you really like projects, <laughs> especially 68 to 70 projects, um, the chargers, this one may fit the bill for you. You know, for $5,000, I had to include this one in Project Car of the Week, but my faith is 
pretty, pretty dwindled on this car. I feel like it's a lost cause, which is unfortunate, but those were project cars of the week. <laughs> Two of them, a 1971 Dodge Demon for $4,000 and a 1970 Dodge Charger 500 for $5,000. That is a basket case and most likely a lost cause. That was project cars of the week. This week's high performance part belongs to the third generation 1973 Dodge Charger featured in the TV show Burn Notice. Now, I've never seen Burn Notice, but from what I understand, they used three screen cars for the show. Only one of them survived, from what I understand, and was actually sold on Bring a Trailer. The car was black with white interior or white and black interior and had a what looks to be a six-pack fiberglass hood on it, which obviously is not correct for that year charger, but still very cool to see a charger of that year featured on a TV show that got quite a bit of publicity um, because I guess it was so good. Uh, like I said, I haven't seen the show, but from what I understand, this guy's father, I guess this guy in the show, Burn Notice, was an ex-CIA agent or government agent, and he's been burned. So basically, you know, doesn't exist, never worked for the CIA or whatever, and he goes to work as an undercover, or a, sorry, a private investigator. And, um, you know, from what I understand, I guess the show's really good. Uh, I, I've never seen it, but uh, knowing that there's a charger that plays a prominent role, from what I understand, in the show makes me want to watch it just to see what it's all about. Um, looks to be a pretty nice car. Uh, it's always good to see third generation chargers, you know, and any fuselage Mopar for that matter, featured in TV shows because usually, or movies even, um, because usually it's the second generation charger that gets all the love, you know, understandably. But being a fan of the fuselage cars, I always like to see that they're getting some love on TV or the big screen. I actually heard about this car and its use on burn notice from a couple listeners of the show. They kept telling me, hey, there's a charger on burn notice, charger on burn notice. And I actually had to look it up because I didn't even know what burn notice was, believe it or not. So I guess the show's good. I guess I should check it out. But, you know, high performance parts, we basically just highlight really quickly a Mopar used on TV the big screen, music videos, and things like that. So this week's high performance part belongs to the black 1973 Dodge Charger featured in the TV show Burn Notice. It's time once again for listener stories. There are so many. <laughs> My email has been an ongoing problem. So I have found a bunch of listener stories and listener messages that I need to go through. And I know this has been an issue for a while, but if you've sent in a message, don't worry, I will get to it. I'm just, uh, I got to go through all this stuff <clears throat> and forgive me today, folks. Like I said, I'm getting over another cold. I've had the worst sore throat for like two weeks straight and uh, I keep losing my voice when I talk. So I'm starting to lose my voice again. So we're going to have to power through the rest of this episode. So <clears throat> for those of you that have sent in stories and messages to me, just know that I have seen them. I'm trying to reply to as many as I can. And if I have not replied to one of your messages, please hit me up again and go, Hey, Chris, what's going on, dude? You haven't replied to me. Um, it's never my intention to leave anybody hanging like that. I'm not that type of guy. So if you've sent me a message and I have not replied to you or acknowledged it, please hit me up again. Um, those of you that I have replied to, uh, I had a list somewhere of all these messages that I needed to read and, um, that I replied to and that I had written down as messages that I was going to read on the show, I lost the list. So I've been trying to filter through my emails and right now I'm looking at my mail account and I have 11,868 messages to go through. A lot of it is spam. So I got to go through and clear out as much as I can to get to the nitty gritty and all the ones that are really important to me. And those are your messages. So just know that that is something that I am planning on doing and that I'm actually in the process of right now. <clears throat> So, uh, this week's listener message comes from Dustin Williams and Dustin says, Hey Chris, been listening to the frustrations on the podcast of the Hornet 
and the EV charger. In reality, I think this is the same Dodge we have always had. In the 1980s, everyone had the same idea when they slapped the charger nameplate on the four-cylinder turbo cars. Now they're becoming a niche of their own. Same with F-bodies. The charger will live on. It's been a muscle car, a wagon from 1966 to 1967, and as a Magnum version. A luxury coupe in the later 70s, a turbo import in the 80s and 90s, a four-door sedan, and now an EV. This is the new phase. As for the Hornet, I like the idea personally what they're trying to do. It's in a market of its own with factory performance with direct connection parts from the showroom. We are now still in the golden era of muscle where the 70s had the direct connection program and shelves stacked with performance goodies. As a guy who has swapped a Gen 3 Hemi into an A-body, I am drooling at all of their surplus stuff that will become affordable bolt-ons for gearheads for years to come. I'm not mad at Dodge. They're keeping the dream of muscle alive indirectly with wrenching instead of filling out the dealership order. Take care. I love the podcast. Longtime listener. Hey, Dustin. Thanks. For not only listening to this show for so long, but for your message, man, I get it. Look, the Hornet, I I think personally, I think it's dorky, but I understand why Dodge is doing it. This is a business after all. They're trying to sell cars and they want to capitalize on a segment that they're really not in with something that is different than everything else that is available on the market. So I totally understand where they're coming from. It's just not for me. And I'm such an outspoken individual that I had to say something. But, you know, once that uh, initial, uh, I don't want to say shock, but, (laughs) you know, no pun intended. But once the initial, uh, I don't know, surprise, I guess, uh, for lack of a better term at the moment, um, dwindled, and I got to looking at what the Hornet actually was and what it's, you know, meant to be. I'm not really mad at it. You know, it's, it, it kind of goes back to like what you're saying with the eighties, with the turbo Mopars and stuff. So like, they're trying to do what they can with what they're given. Um, I do know <laughs> that Alfa Romeo is not very happy because they have the Tonali or Tonal or whatever the hell that crossover that Alfa Romeo has. It, the Hornet is basically just a, a refaced and uh, dodged up <laughs> version of that car. And uh, from what I understand, it pissed Alfa Romeo off. But, you know, for what it is, it's definitely cool. Um, if you're in the market for a crossover and you want something cool, you might as well get a Hornet. You know, it's just not my type of vehicle. But I totally understand for the people that are into them and think it's great. You know, I'm not mad at Dodge. You know, I I have to be an outspoken individual. I cannot be the type of person that just falls in line and praises everything they do. I have to tell you what is initially on my mind. And initially, during that whole reveal, I thought it was ridiculous that they were trying to promote this crossover as some sort of performance car, which I understand where they're coming from, but they're trying to like... They're trying to push it on the muscle car guys like, oh, yeah, this is a new addition to the brotherhood of muscle. No, that is not a muscle car. Uh, Once we start calling crossovers, muscle cars are starting to lump them into the same category. That's where I have a problem. Okay, and that's what I felt like Dodge was doing, whether or not they were trying to do that or not. I'm not really sure, but that's what I felt. So I had to react initially with my first reaction, which was, oh, hell no, Dodge. What are you doing? And why are we releasing this thing, (laughs) you know, in the way that we are? Um, But I, I, you know, I get it. So I I can't really fault him for that. As far as the EV charger goes, you know, and what you were saying about them using the name and stuff for other vehicles that were not chargers, like as far as we know, as muscle cars, um, I totally get it. You know, we had a four-door charger that got introduced, um, you know, that was Hemi powered, but it's actually become one of the best selling Mopars of all time. You know, these new chargers and challengers really, I mean, they have a whole lifeblood of their own. And it's crazy to me to think that they're being discontinued. Um, I just, I I don't know how to feel about that. I I really am not happy about it. Um, I do want to see what they're going to do with this inline six, this turbocharged hurricane engine. I'm I'm curious, Uh, you know, I'm I'm always going to be the Hemi guy. I really like the modern Hemis. And I know that there's a lot of controversy. You get a lot of the old school guys going, oh, they're not Hemis, blah, blah, blah. We're calling them Hemis. Okay. I like the performance that those engines offer, you know, especially when you think about all the people swapping LS engines and everything. I'm a huge fan of the Gen 3 Hemi. And 
uh, that'll never change. Would I rather have a second gen Hemi? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't be a muscle car enthusiast if I, if I said that I would rather have a gen three Hemi over the second gen. Um, the second generation elephant is just the quintessential muscle car engine. If you ask me now, I, I know I posted a reel on Facebook that it was the history, <clears throat> the brief history, you know, in 30, in a 30 second Facebook reel about the Hemi. And it was specifically about the street Hemi. And then you get all these purists coming in going, oh, the Hemi was available in 1964 in NASCARs. Hey, no shit. <laughs> God, we're talking about the street Hemi. And I said it was. I said it was born in 1966. And then, of course, people had to correct me. It was in 1965. It was available in 1966. Okay. I realized that it was produced in 65, but it wasn't available until the 66 model year. So to any purists out there that were trying to give me shit about that, get a damn life. Okay. God, what a bunch of dorks. Um, but anyway, I, I just went off on a tangent. As far as the Charger EV muscle car you know, it's tough for me to even say that. It sounds wrong coming out of my mouth. EV muscle car. Um, I do applaud what Dodge is doing as far as, you know, if you're going to build an EV, you want to build something cool that is different than everybody else that attracts a different um, kind of person. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to attract the people that are fans of muscle cars and enthusiasts. And I get it, you know, they've done this forever, you know, but this isn't Chrysler Corporation we're talking about here. Okay. <laughs> this is, this is Stellantis. Okay. These are, this is an Italian company now, you know, as much as we want to call it, you know, an American company, you know, it's got American people working for it. It's got a lot of involvement with Canada and then the Hemis, you know, in Mexico and whatnot. But, you know, this isn't the Chrysler Corporation of old, which I am a huge fan of. You know, it's it's tough because I am a Mopar enthusiast and I don't have a huge problem with Stellantis. Um, it, it does kind of bother me <laughs> that it is an Italian company and that we're lumped in with Fiat's and Alfa Romeo's and stuff. And I guess, you know, if you're talking to somebody who's a big fan of the new cars, they'd say that I'm not a real Mopar enthusiast, but I disagree. I do like a lot of the modern Mopars. I really do. I own some of them, um, but you know, this push for electric vehicles is just ridiculous. You know, I give me an option, keep the charger and challenger, maybe put it on a new improved platform or whatever, but give me options, you know, a turbo four cylinder. Cool. A turbo inline six. Cool. Do not get rid of the Hemi. <laughs> you know, what are we doing? Um, you know, and then they, I don't know. I just feel like Dodge is just pushing it too hard, you know, and there was a couple things, the new EV charger for what it is, is pretty cool. Okay. I know it's been getting a lot of shit about the fake exhaust or whatever. Um, the way I understand it, it is just the natural sound of the propulsion system amplified, which, okay, cool. Whatever. Would I rather have an EV over a demon or a Hellcat or a super stock challenger? Hell no. <laughs> but if I'm forced, like if they said, all right, all you, you know, internal combustion engine people, that's fine and dandy. You still want to run gas. Hey, guess what? Gas is $20 a gallon. And guess what? You're going to get a internal combustion engine use tax <laughs> to drive your shit. Um, that doesn't, that wouldn't surprise me if that comes along the line, if they force me to have no other option other than to buy an EV. So I don't put myself in the poor house, which, and, and, you know, the whole infrastructure for EV is a totally different story. Um, I mean, there's opinions all over the map on that one, but let's just say that we were forced. Let's just say that they made it so expensive that the most logical thing to do with these old muscle cars, like my 72 Roadrunner, for example, if they said, you know what, Chris, Hey, it's cool that you got that car, but it's going to cost you about $5,000 in taxes and fuel a year to even drive that thing part-time, you know, because if you have classic car insurance, they say, you know, you're limited to the amount of mileage you're allowed to drive per year. So let's say, okay, for that 1500 miles that you're allocated per year that you can drive this old school car, it's going to cost you $5,000. 
that's fine. Okay, I'll pay it. But I'm going to have no choice but to just conform. And I know there's a lot of people out there. Oh, I'm not ever going to conform. I'm always going to drive. You don't know what the future is going to bring. Okay. Um, The fact is I'll never get rid of my internal combustion engine muscle car. (laughs) If I have to keep it in the garage and just look at it, then that's what I will do. But I will never bow down and get rid of it or have it crushed. Or I could just see them doing some sort of stupid government program where they're like, turn in your internal combustion engine car uh, to be crushed. And you'll get a huge discount on this new EV. Like, ain't happening. <laughs> you know what I mean? But if I had to go buy one, would I buy a Tesla or one of these new Rivians or this new Lucid? Or would I go buy a Dodge Charger Daytona SRT Banshee? Of course I would go for the Dodge. Of course. But that doesn't mean that I'm ready to fall in line right now. That doesn't mean I'm ready to conform right now. Um, as long as they're still cranking out Hemi crate engines, and as long as there's still parts available for these old muscle cars, I will still rock and roll with them. As a matter of fact, if I was forced to go electric, I'm of the plan that, okay, if you're going to force me to do an EV, I'm going to do it my way. (laughs) So I would like to have an electric, real old school car, you know, like some sort of muscle car from back in the day. If they were going to make me do it, I want to at least look cool doing it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Hey, you can keep your Banshee. I'll go get a 68 to 70 charger body and I'll build my own electric vehicle the way I like it. (laughs) You know, if I'm going to have to conform to electric vehicles, you're not going to force me into anything. Okay. You're not going to force me into Tesla. You're not going to force me into any of that shit. And you're not going to force me into this charger Daytona, which you know, going to the design of this new Charger Daytona SRT Banshee or whatever the hell it's called. <laughs> it's the longest name ever. Um, I think they did a pretty good job. You know, is there room for improvement? Sure. And the design? Sure. You know, uh, as far as a, an EV car that is currently built, you know, aside from what I would personally like to build, which is an EV based on an old school looking muscle car, uh, they did a pretty good job. You know, always room for improvement, like I said, but, you know, I'm not going to complain that much. Dodge, hey, bravo, you did pretty good. And I know there's a lot of guys out there that are, you know, they're singing Dodge's praises and they're, you know, talking shit about people like me that are pushing back a little bit. And that's fine. You know, everybody's entitled to their own opinion, but I'm not going to sit here and call those guys, you know, I mean, I have, (laughs) but I'm not going to sit here now and call those guys, you know, company shills or whatever, you know, hey. You know, if you're a journalist, you're obviously not going to bite the hand that feeds you, (laughs) you know? So I get it, but, uh, I'm not going to sit here. I don't have to, guess what? I'm a podcaster. I'm an independent podcaster. I don't have to conform or bow down to anybody. So I can say whatever I want. And what I'm going to say is this push for the, you know, (laughs) they put out this commercial. It's like, you know, You know, we have a God-given right to help the muscle car continue on or whatever the hell they said. It's like, you cannot, I I have a problem when you're calling an electric vehicle a muscle car, okay? You're pushing it too hard. I would be better off, or I would actually approve of them going, hey, look, unfortunately, the muscle car is dead. You know, that's where the future is going. The muscle cars are being killed. But these are sports cars. Okay, when I look at that new charger, that electric charger, I don't see muscle car. I see a sports car. I see a sports car that is electric. Okay, don't call it a muscle car. In my opinion, a muscle car rumbles the ground. When you sit in it, it shakes your body. It shakes your soul. I don't feel like that electric (laughs) charger is going to do that for me. You know, and that's me pushing against the grain. I know that there's a lot of guys out there that are always denying that it's a muscle car because it doesn't have an internal combustion engine. Yeah. So what? So sue me. I don't think it's a muscle car. I think it's a sports. I think it's an electric sports car. That's what I think. So, you know, say what you will. Uh, I have no problems, you know, with anybody that if you like the Hornet and you like the new EV charger, awesome. That's great. I'm sure Dodge would love to hear that. I'm an old school guy. Okay. So, you know, I'm always going to be in that group that pushes back 
and goes against the grain a little bit. That's just me. But I, I totally understand what you're saying, Dustin. Um, and, you know, as long as they don't kill off the Hemis, you know, as far as, you know, being able to swap Gen 3s into old stuff, uh, I won't be pissed. But if they go, okay, we're killing everything, internal combustion engine, and it's EV or nothing with Dodge, okay, cool. I guess I'm a Chrysler Corporation guy. Cryco till the day I die. Because <laughs> this, new, this new shit... Uh, you know, and I, I love seeing all these comments about these guys pushing back against guys like me going, oh, you guys are living in the past, blah, blah, blah. Kick rocks, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? God. Oh, I don't know. It's kind of a soy boy thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. You don't like muscle cars. You don't like real muscle cars and EVs the future. Okay, whatever, dude. I don't care. I don't give a shit. Oh, EVs are faster. They'll outperform your old muscle car in every facet. Okay, who gives a shit? <laughs> I like my vehicles to have personality. And in my opinion, anything in the original muscle car era has more personality tenfold than anything that is rolling out of the showrooms today. That's my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. Dustin, thank you for your message, dude. Um, and hey, you already swapped into Gen 3 Hemi into your a body dude so we're we're on good terms okay um and you know i just don't the one thing you said that i i don't agree with 100 is that they're keeping the dream of muscle alive um and you did say indirectly with wrenching i get it i feel like they're they're trying to pull the wool over our eyes <laughs> like i feel like eventually they're going to be like no more of this hemi shit sorry guys so just be prepared for that dude um you know i let, let me ask you guys a question do you honestly think if there wasn't pushback from the government and global warming that they would be getting rid of their best selling cars of all time the charger and the challenger with the hemis i don't think so at all <laughs> I think they're conforming. Um, not to mention, you know, you get all these states talking about, hey, don't charge your EVs. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You want us to convert to all electric and you're going to stop selling new gas-powered vehicles, but then you're going to say when we can charge our shit? Are you out of your minds? That's just my opinion. And I don't want to get too political here, but, you know, when you give the government you know, an inch, they're going to take a mile. So as long as these companies keep pushing the EV, then, you know, if they get no pushback from us as enthusiasts, then, you know, they're going to be able to do this and get away with it. And I don't want to go down without a fight. And I know many of you listening to this show are in the same position as I am. We're not going down without a fight. You think we're just going to bow down? <laughs> I don't think so. We're going to stand on our ICE soapbox and we're going to tell you guys how dumb this full conversion to EV is at this point in history. Okay. We are not ready for that. But like I said, I don't want to get too political and we could, I mean, this could be a whole conversation, but you know, at the end of the day right now, I don't really care. <laughs> I've got a 72 Roadrunner I need to build. I've got other problems than worrying about what Dodge is doing with these electric vehicles. Dodge, have a heyday. I'm going to have my heyday. And hopefully we can still play in the same sandbox and not get sand in each other's eyes. Okay. Thanks, Dustin, for sending in your message. It is time once again to visit Bowling Green, Kentucky for Holly's third annual Mo Party, September 16th through the 18th, 2022, presented by eBay Motors. I'm going to be heading out on the 15th. I'm going to fly to Arkansas. Now, Chris, Mo Party is in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Why are you flying out to Arkansas? Because I'm meeting up with one of my best friends. His name is Matt Monroe. You probably know him as my friend Big Block from Big Block's Garage. We're going to road trip from Arkansas out to Kentucky, and we're going to spend the weekend 
at Holly's Mo Party. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, this year, Holly has been, you know, uh, up to some shenanigans. They're going to have a whole different setup. They've got, you know, Grand Champion, Drag Racing, Autocross, the 3S Challenge, a Dino Challenge, a Swap Meet, a Burnout Contest, Countryside Cruise, Car Show, a General Lead Jump, the Mullet Contest, an off-road experience that's new for this year. They're also going to have a wing car parade. It's going to be crazy. They've got... I'm expecting the swap meet to be even bigger this year. The Dodge thrill rides are returning to Mo party and there's going to be a special partnership with Mel major bringing several Mopar survivor cars to 2022 Mo party. That's going to be a lot of fun. The Mopar survivors are a group of unrestored Mopars and their owners. So I can't tell you how excited I am for Mo party. It has become one of my favorite events, not on the west side of the country, to go to. I have two huge events that I love attending every year. One of them is Muscle Cars at the Strip in Las Vegas. That is a, a very awesome event that's near and dear to my heart. I'm friends with the organizers of the show. I've had them on the podcast before. They're great people. Shout out to the painters um, and shout out to my friend Bill Adams. Uh, you guys are great. I love muscle cars at the strip and I can't wait for March because muscle cars at the strip is heading back to the strip at Las Vegas motor speedway. I love muscle cars at the strip because I love the people. And I, for some reason I love Las Vegas. I don't know why, but that's my favorite West coast event. Mo party has become my favorite East side of the country event. And it has become an event that I do not want to miss every year. So there's two places you can find me for sure outside of Washington state where I live. And that's Mo party and muscle cars at the strip. So Mo party this year is going to be a lot of fun. Matt and I are going to be heading out there. So if you see us definitely say hi, we can't wait to link up with all our friends that are going to be there and uh, say hi to all you guys. Shout out to my friends Tommy and Carly of Slicks of Hope. They're going to be out there promoting the fight against childhood cancer. And I fully support what they're doing. So we're going to be sure to get out there and show them some love and support. And everybody else, you know, shout out to my friend Blaine from Holly. Shout out to everybody else that we're going to see that we saw last year. Um, Matt and I are trying to figure out how we can get some people together. You know, we found a really cool restaurant the last time we were there, a place to eat. It's called uh, the Mellow Mushroom. And it's a great pizza joint. And across the street, they have this old brick building where on the side of it, it's got this old Chrysler Plymouth dealership mural. It's a giant wall mural. It's so cool. I would love to get some people together at the Mellow Mushroom to eat some food, have a few drinks, talk Mopars, and just have a great time. So hopefully we can get some people together for that. Uh, but uh, it's going to be a great time. I'm just, I'm super excited. Once again, they've got, you know, drag racing, autocross, uh, the dino challenge, swap meet, burnout contest, the cruise, the car show, the general lead jump, the wing car parade, a mullet contest. And for the first time ever, they got an off-road experience, which should be very, very fun. So Big Block and I are going to be out there. The road trip's going to be fun. Hopefully we can go live from the road. We're going to be documenting this entire trip. We are serious about documenting this time. Last year, I had a problem because I couldn't go live because I didn't have a solid internet connection. And it really, it really screwed with my mind. I was really disappointed. This year, I'm coming armed to the teeth. I've got... Let me just say that we don't have to worry if the live streaming doesn't work out this time because I am coming guns blazing. I've got all my recording equipment and stuff that I need to be able to provide you guys with the best content that I can, whether it's videos, 30 second clips, and obviously podcast content. Matt and I are going to be podcasting every night that we're there. Um, and for those of you that don't know, Matt is my co-host on Talking Paranormal, which is our crazy paranormal show where we talk about crazy stuff. If you guys didn't know that, I also, not only am I a Mopar guy, 
but I'm also a crazy conspiracy theorist who believes in ghosts and Bigfoot and all that crazy stuff. So if you guys are into that kind of stuff, or you just want to hear my crazy theories and Matt's crazy theories, then you can listen to Talking Paranormal. You can go to TalkingParanormal.com and find all the places to listen to that podcast. But uh, we're going to be doing an episode or two of that. We're going to be doing Talking Mopars, and we're going to be having a hell of a lot of fun in Bowling Green, Kentucky at Beach Bend Raceway, September 16th through the 18th in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Be there or be square. And if you see me or Big Block, we're going to be in our high-vis media vests walking around. Be sure to say hi. I love to meet everybody that listens to the show, and um, it's always a good time. There is nothing that I love more than traveling to these events and getting to talk Mopars with you guys in person. So much fun for me. So definitely come say hi to us, and we will see you September 16th through the 18th in Bowling Green, Kentucky. There you have it, my friends. Another episode of Talking Mopars is in the books. For everything you need to know about this show, you know where to go, TalkingMopars.com. And you can reach me by emailing Chris at TalkingMopars.com or by leaving me a voicemail on my voicemail box at 209-28-MOPAR. And you just might get to hear yourself on the show. So keep sharing your Mopar stories with me and everything else that is on your Mopar addicted mind. Special thanks to my friends over at CarTech Books. If you are looking to level up your knowledge on cars, head on over to CarTechBooks.com. I am a huge ambassador of automotive literature, and CarTech Books has so many titles to choose from that there is definitely something for everyone, no matter what types of cars or trucks you are into. The books are all fantastic reads, and you'll probably even learn a thing or two as well. So go check out CarTechBooks.com and see what they have to offer. Another special thanks to my friends over at DIYHemi.com. If you've been considering swapping a modern Gen 3 Hemi into your classic Mopar, then give my friends over at DIY Hemi a shout and tell them that I sent you. They've supported me from the beginning of this show, and I also support them in their mission to Hemi-swap the world. Also, don't forget how important it is to keep your Mopar protected from the elements. If you need protection for your Mopar, don't wait. Head on over to TalkingMopars.com, click on the Affiliates tab, and go get your Mopar covered today. Before we shut this podcast down, if you want some Talking Mopars merchandise like t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and cool swag like that, check out the merch shop on TalkingMopars.com. And for exclusive bonus episodes and videos only for my supporters, become a Facebook supporter today and get immediate access to those benefits. That's it, my friends. Until we talk again, I am your host, Chris Albrecht, and that was Talking Mopars. Thank you for listening to Talking Mopars, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Until next time, remember, no Mopar left behind.